0: Welcome to Kiri Presents or Inspiring Stories. This is the health and wellbeing podcast where I sit down with a special guest to discuss a topic for one of the calendar awareness days. The aim of this podcast is to inspire, inform and celebrate the people who share their incredible stories to help others. So sit back and enjoy. Enjoy. This podcast shares a personal account by Vicky about her grief story in honour of Grief Awareness Week in December. Vicky lost her baby Isabel just after her first birthday to cancer, and this is arguably the most difficult type of loss anyone can endure. Vicky discusses ways how she has coped with grief. She talks about understanding the reactions and emotions associated with grief and, really importantly, how to open up the conversation. I was shocked by how much I didn't know about grief before, before I started researching this podcast, and it's because we never talk about it as a society. How can we help and support people grieving if we never talk about it? So I'm hoping this podcast will be reassuring to those going through it or know someone who is trigger warning this podcast does include conversations around child loss and grief if you are affected by this conversation please seek advice and bereavement support and here's the show so hi Vicky thank you so much for joining me today how are you doing I'm very well, thank you. Today, how are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, a bit wet from being out this morning. It's a bit rainy outside today, (laughs) isn't it? It is. I've got wet hair, but we can uh, move on from that. That's fine. (laughs) So if you don't mind, let's start from the beginning. Can you tell us what you have been through that has led you to be on the podcast today? Yeah. So in 2014, my daughter was born with infantile
1: leukemia and she passed away eight days after her first birthday in 2015.
0: So I've been on quite the grief journey since then. (laughs) Mm. You certainly have. So when did you discover that she had the cancer? When she was three weeks old. Three weeks old. And then she, so it was almost a year then that you had to. Yeah, she was fighting for a year. With that. Goodness me. Yeah, I can't comprehend how someone actually goes through all that. And then, you know, all that time later is on a podcast now, like trying to help others. And yeah explain what they went through so that is quite remarkable so thank you for being here and sharing your story with us again today Vicky Um, and I think when a grief experience happens it's it must have just been a total and utter shock and I think even more so when it's a child you're just not prepared for it I know you had that sort of few well almost a year didn't you but it's still something you just can't prepare yourself for we're not sort of educated about it are we we don't talk about it And it's not something we want to almost prepare ourselves for. For those of us who haven't experienced grief, especially in the way that you would have done, can you tell us what you went through, that grief process? It's going to look different for everybody, but tell us how it looked like for you in those early stages.
1: Yeah, and I think that's right. Like, you just can't prepare yourself. Like, even if you know someone's going to die, until it actually happens, like, you just just can't prepare your body for that shock. Mm -hmm. And I think especially like someone so close to you you're just in survival mode for such a long time afterwards and i think like also you're in shock and i mean as isabel was my only child i think i just didn't know who i was anymore like one day i was a mom and then the next day i was like who am i like i don't have a child to look after anymore i just don't know who i am anymore and it was just i think just surviving and every day is different and i think you just have to do whatever you need to do to get through the day and survive to the next day and just keep trying and keep just getting through one day at a time. I remember when times were really hard, I would just think like the next five minutes, if you can get through the next five minutes and then you can get through the five minutes after that rather than looking too far ahead because that can be quite overwhelming.
0: Yeah, so it's that initial sort of numbness and shock getting Mm -hmm. through the day at the beginning and then what does it turn into after that and how does it sort of manifest physically as well, as well as emotionally? I think, yeah, I was like really ill all the time for quite a long time I think there's definitely
1: physical side effects to grief that people don't really talk about but I think after a period of time it becomes something you learn to live with and you do just get used to it I think
0: yeah and people wouldn't probably realize that you can get physically ill from grief because you think it's an emotional thing so Mm -hmm. if people are getting physically ill from it they might think oh that's not normal yeah but it's just knowing that that can happen as well I suppose isn't it and I think as well that's
1: something else not talked about is how much our emotions affect our physical health people always see them as two separate entities but really we're just all intertwined as like one everything we are feeling is obviously going to affect us physically
0: that's so true because they talk about stress as well don't they about Mm -hmm. how that affects um you physically and you think oh I'm just feeling stressed you know mentally possibly with work or something but actually you can get ill from that physically so yeah and people yeah don't really know about that so is that something that surprised you most about grief or did anything else surprise you? Absolutely
1: I think before I was only 26 when Isabel died so I think I was quite yeah. young as well really young. Um, and quite naive and obviously I'd never experienced grief before so I think being able to function as well even though like you feel like terrible like still being able to get up and do things that was like surprising i think and also the the brain fog and i think just not being able to mentally do the things i could do before so even if it was like writing a letter or filling out a form something i'd find really easy previously would now take me hours then i'd have to ask my friend for help with it and like i just couldn't get my brain to function or get my brain to like
0: think about things in the same way yeah so that simple task but i suppose you're so consumed by it, it's going to take over your every being, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. understandable, but yeah, it's something you probably don't prepare for. You want to sort of get on and do those simple tasks almost as a distraction, possibly, and then you realise that it's impossible. Yeah, your brain just does not work in the same way as it did before. So did you get advised about what to do or how to grieve or what it might look like from like the care staff or the hospital staff when Isabel died.
1: No, I didn't get any advice about that actually. And I felt very strongly that all the support you got very quickly stopped when your child died. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I went on to set up the charities because I feel like the minute you got a lot of support while your child was ill, but the minute they died, it was like, okay,
0: bye. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like that support very quickly stopped. Yeah. And I suppose that might not be their job in adverted commas as such, but surely there should be that transition to the next stage of health advisors that would be able to put you in the right direction. I totally agree. And I'm not sure if there's anything in
1: place now, but certainly at the time when my daughter died, there was definitely something missing. There was, I think there was a job for someone, maybe like after the death to maybe come in and just provide a bit of support in those early days. That would have been really helpful.
0: Absolutely. And then what about people around you, friends and family? How did you feel... Did you feel like you could grieve honestly and openly to them, or did you feel like you sort of had to hold back a little bit with those around you? So no, I didn't feel like I could grieve openly, but also I don't think
1: like that's their fault. And mm-hmm. I think like when everyone's sad and obviously everyone's grieving, you don't want to. Then you feel like you're burdening them if you are grieving openly, and I don't know. I think it becomes quite lonely, especially like when it's a child, so everyone feels it so. Heavily, you didn't want to then yeah. like my mom and dad felt it, my family felt it, and I felt like I didn't want to be a burden and add more to their plate by
0: yeah. so asking yeah, them to support me as well. You did mention that sort of feeling of loneliness, didn't you? So you, you felt like you couldn't sort of be open with them, and that, but that doesn't allow you to grieve. Yeah. In the right I mean, that was definitely me, the right not way them. Way. They
1: never told right. me I couldn't grieve or they wouldn't support me. I think it was just something that I, I don't know if it's like the British culture where we're just yeah. like, right, we're just going to get on with it. I'm not going to bother anyone. I'm just going to deal with this.
0: No, yeah. It's uh, that awareness, isn't it, as well, of that people do go through this. And if they're not used to it, it's like not knowing what to say. And so, what did people say? Did they say anything unusual? Did they say anything that you didn't want to hear? Or did they not say anything? I think it's like when someone's child died, like it's so hard to know what
1: to say. I still wouldn't even know what to say now if someone's child died. And it's like it's happened to me. I mean, what can you say? There's nothing, there's no right thing to say. And I think. I just really appreciate people saying anything, even if yes. they thought it was the wrong thing or even if it was unusual, maybe not the correct thing to say. I think just seeing that people are trying and saying something and making an effort is just always yeah.
0: really appreciated. Okay, so just something, yeah. And if they can't find the words, like an, an action a or a gesture, <laughs> yeah, a hug, that's what you want. Because, yeah, it's, it is it is going to be lonely, isn't it? And if people are not wanting to say something in case of saying the wrong thing then then it's going to be yeah really really isolating so then what happened after that i think i was quite fortunate
1: in the fact that i was on a ward with lots of other parents so i had friends whose children had been ill that i'm still friends with now so i'm grateful i had them because i think unless your child has died you could never understand what it's like for someone whose child's died and i think that is what it makes it so lonely and isolating so even if you're surrounded by so many well-meaning people they can never
0: never truly understand you. And that's, mm. I think, what makes you feel like you are so alone. Yeah, so having that sort support. So did you find people that are in the same boat as you sort of thing on the on any forums or support yeah, groups? Yeah, I did find a couple of Facebook groups,
1: Yeah, which were for parents whose children had cancer or had died of cancer. And at the time, I found that really useful, just being in a community of like-minded people.
0: Yeah. Did that help you sort of grieve then in a way that you wanted to? and actually express how you felt to be honest I think this is why I'm so
1: like keen to talk about grief now is because I suppressed it so much and I think it's because it's just not really talking about yeah and now I'm trying to go back and unsuppress everything I buried now and I just want other people to not feel like they have to do that
0: yeah so if you could recommend like a, a coping mechanism for someone that is grieving what would you sort of recommend I just think it's really important that people know there's
1: no right way to grieve. Like there's no protocol. There's nothing you should be following. Like, However you're grieving is like perfect for you and yeah. your body and what you need to experience and you're not doing it wrong and there's no different way you should be doing it. You just need to do whatever feels right for
0: you. Yeah. And it's the same for feelings, isn't it? There's no right or yeah. wrong feeling. I mean, some people might feel angry and that's not going to be a wrong way of dealing with it. And even some people might feel relief. There's so many mm-hmm. different feelings you might get after grief, but you're right. It's yeah. like knowing that however you are feeling to kind of go with that and yeah, that kind of feeling the space it needs. So that's, yeah, it's really, really helpful. And I'm guessing it's like a long, constant journey as well that you're always going to be going through. So it's finding the right way for you because it's always going to be with you, isn't it? At the end of the day, you're always yeah, really I- thinking about Isabel. I
1: absolutely agree I think grief is not something you ever come from I really feel like grief is a reflection of love and just as you would love someone all your life you will grieve them all your life and yeah it's not something that you will ever that you should ever heal from I don't think it's just something you, you learn to live with and it just yeah. becomes
0: part of yeah. who you are definitely and it's not that linear sort of journey oh this is how it's going to be <laughs> and you're not going to get to a stop and you're probably going to go in and out with it as well aren't you yeah have the good days and have the bad days I remember when one of the other mums
1: texted me, actually, and she just said ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. And I was like, that really sums it up so well. That's exactly what it's like.
0: Yeah, definitely. Having another mum that's been in that position as well must be therapy in a way. Yeah, you can just talk talk. so freely because you just know they know exactly how you feel and you just have this connection. Yeah, absolutely. Did you do any sort of other therapy such as the bereavement? Counseling or things like that vicky or... so i went to the doctors i didn't find it very helpful to be
1: honest they just offered me pills for the rest of my life which i didn't really want to take okay. for the rest of my life okay. and then they offered me steps to well-being but i just didn't find it very helpful i think when someone's had such a deep loss i think it needs to be more uh, like specific
0: counseling or therapy specifically for like bereavement yeah so do they not offer the bereavement counseling on the a- nhs then So no, I was never offered that. So I'm not sure if it's available. Yeah, it's more sort of the general therapy, which like you say, yeah, you need something more specific. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then again, I mean, some people might think that was going to be useful for them and then others might not find it useful. So again, it's... Yeah, I think everyone's so individual and unique. You just have to find what works for you. Yeah, no, totally. I am wondering actually how anxious you might be in regards to thinking that other people might die in the family or particularly sort of other family members that are children and how do you cope with that, Vicky? So, to be honest with you,
1: I don't really think about that. I think going through grief and loss has made me be more present and more like in the moment and just like more grateful for what I have like today rather than worrying what can happen tomorrow because I know that we can never predict what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, one day I thought I had a healthy child, then I woke up and I had a child with cancer. And so I think that's just given me a whole new appreciation of just being like grateful for what I have in this moment.
0: Well, that's amazing. And I don't think other people in your boat would always be thinking like that. So that is an amazing attitude to have and something I think we all wish that we could be more present in life because we all go through the motions, don't we, on a daily basis, thinking about the next thing all the time and planning the next thing and trying to do more and more. But actually, it's such a good attitude to have and Yeah, trying to be more present is amazing in life generally, isn't it? So what was the most supportive thing someone did do for you? Have you got good family members and and friends? What sort of things did you uh, really appreciate? I'm really lucky to be surrounded by a group of like friends and family
1: who are really supportive and really like there for me i think the one thing that really stood out though which i think was amazing and i hope they still do this i don't know if you've heard of click sergeant they're now called young lives versus cancer
0: yes i have heard click sergeant yeah
1: so when your child's diagnosed with cancer you get assigned a social worker and they like basically help you with life while your child's ill and then after Isabel died my social worker still continued to visit me like afterwards And I think that was really nice because she already knew everything that had happened to Isabel. She'd been there throughout her whole life. I didn't have to tell her anything or explain anything. I could just be with her and be myself without having to explain like this happened or that happened. And yeah, that was just really nice to have that.
0: Well, having that consistency with sort of those the, the care staff and the health staff would have been really beneficial then. Yeah, Like you say, once Isabel died, that was sort of cut off. But having that social worker that continued with you must have been so beneficial. And having other health staff that could have done that to get the whole picture um, yeah. Yeah, would have been really, really useful, wouldn't it? But it's really lovely to hear that the social worker carried on and, and was there for you. Yeah, I think that was a real lifesaver as well at that time. Just, it was, yeah, really nice to have that. Yeah, but it was. And you, like you say, not having to... Relive it and retell it all the time, just even just sitting there in silence and just having someone with you so you didn't feel that loneliness that you described before. Yeah. And I think as well, like when you have had a
1: child or anyone that's sick, having to relive it every time you tell somebody Mm. or having to like
0: retell people everything that's happened, it just is quite difficult. No, absolutely. So obviously, it's a very, very difficult number of years. Do you feel like you're getting to that stage of embracing? I know you said you're feeling more present, which is amazing. But what about actually feeling happy and joyful? Are you getting to that point or do you ever see yourself getting to so that So I point? think for the first few years after I died,
1: especially, I'd feel terribly guilty. Like for any happiness, any joy, I wouldn't celebrate Christmas. I wouldn't celebrate my birthday because I would just oh. feel awful. Like how can yeah. I be celebrating when my child died? But on the other flip side of that, I think when you felt such like deep pain, you can really experience a new level of happiness and joy because it's like the opposites. So I don't know. Like you just appreciate the happiness and joy so much more when you've been through mm. like such a loss. I don't know if that makes sense, yeah. but I think it did take me like quite a few years to. Even now, I still feel guilty. Like I hate celebrating Christmas. I hate celebrating my birthday because I just
0: just do not feel right about it when my daughter can't. And I think that's a mum thing as well, isn't it, or a, a woman thing? The guilt is. Yeah, it's like it's the really mum well. guilt, but a yeah. different kind. But completely, yeah, even more so. And I suppose over the time, you might get to that point where you're going to experience birthdays and Christmases, and but it's just going to take maybe more time. But hopefully we'll get to that point where you can celebrate because you deserve to, don't you? Just okay. as much as anybody else. How many years did it take to sort of get back to a bit of life and maybe work? Did you obviously you had to stop work for probably... A good amount of time and then what did you do bef- well what did you do before isabel died and what did you do afterwards for work um so i was an accountant before isabel died
1: and i did go back to work part-time in accounts probably like 10 months after she passed away and i went back part-time just because it was still really difficult to live during that time yeah. But I think I was just really lucky that I had a really understanding employer who was able to give me time off if I needed it. If I was having a bad day, they'd let me go home. Like, I feel super grateful for being in that environment.
0: Yeah. And then I did want to ask you about the Isabel Baker Foundation, because yeah. when I was messaging on Facebook, I said that I went on your profile, but I didn't. It was just came up on the private message, oh, founder of Isabel Baker Foundation. And then I looked it up on Google, and I wasn't sure whether it, because we hadn't actually said isabel's name at that point and you hadn't mentioned it but then when i asked you about it i realized that you actually helped um set it up so can yeah, so
1: amazing. I, I, tell us more about that so i set up about six weeks after isabel died so i think it was definitely wow. a massive trauma response yeah. <laughs> but i think i just needed something to do because i think when you go from like i was caring for isabel like all day every day not just yeah. like the normal care you'd give a child like she was on so many medications and like tube fed and just going from that to waking up and having nothing, it was really difficult. And I just feel like I needed much to channel my grief and speak Isabel's name and keep her memory alive. And
0: also just help with people because I was very aware of where they weren't receiving help. Yeah. So it's an amazing legacy. But yeah, like you say, it was probably a distraction, wasn't it, at that time? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that delayed your grief process, though, because you put your sort of energy into the foundation rather than focusing on yourself or do you think it was a good thing that you set that, that up so early I think
1: both I think it really helped me because I was able to talk about Isabel all the time which I think really helped with my grieving but then at the same side I just kept myself so busy that I wasn't because I didn't want to deal with my thoughts I didn't want to deal with how I felt so yeah I just kept busy all the time so I didn't have to stop
0: yeah so yeah, like you say, it's a bit of both. But then hopefully after that, you did give yourself the time, haven't you? Like we've talked about yeah. giving yourself the time to grieve. And now, I mean, it looks like it's doing amazing things for people, the foundation. So what sort of things does it offer?
1: Yeah, so we have helped over 950 families now, which I'm really proud of. We offer food vouchers to families if they're financially struggling. So a lot of people have to give up their jobs when their children are ill. We offer dry suits so children can use the water because... Most children have a Hickman line in their heart, which they can't get wet for risk of infection. So we get their dry suits custom made for them so they can use the water. And we also have a holiday home, which we just purchased in
0: May. So now we can provide free holidays to children, poorly children and their families. That's incredible. And how do you get the funding? To Do you have to fundraise and get donations from people to keep that going? Yeah, so lots of different
1: ways, really. The holiday home, we were so lucky that another charity, um, the Roger Raymond Charitable Trust, actually bought it for us. And yeah, they just gave us the money to buy it. So we're super lucky. But Mm -hmm. usually, yeah, we just do fundraising events. And we're so lucky. We have so many people who do sponsored events for us and hold their own events. And yeah, the community support has been really amazing.
0: That's brilliant. And such a legacy for Isabel to keep her name alive and Like you say, keep talking about her. Do you think talking about someone who you've lost is really beneficial? I think so. And I think it's just really important for people around you to talk about them freely as well, because that kind of gives you permission
1: to do the same thing. Yeah. If you know other people are really comfortable talking about them, it's just so nice. And I think especially as a mum, I want to talk about my child as much as anyone else does. Yeah. And I want to be
0: able to be like free to do that. Definitely. What was she like then, as a baby, before she got ill? What was her character like? So she was just even
1: while she's ill, she was just happy all the time. Shit. Like I just have yeah. videos of her laughing while she's getting chemo.
0: Oh she god. never cried. She was just always so happy and smiley. That's amazing. Oh my god! What a memory to have in your heart about Isabel being so smiley and just yeah, uh, she yeah. really was so lovely. And just to keep talking about her is just amazing, isn't it? have you got a tradition that you've established to help remember and and celebrate as well? So I don't have a specific
1: tradition, but I think for me personally, that's because I kind of remember and celebrate her like through the charity all the time anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I don't really have anything specific. I just think, I don't know,
0: every day is kind of celebrating her really when we're doing things in her name through the charity. Yeah, it's a constant memory and you're constantly talking about it and constantly celebrating her because now she's doing wonders for other people. So that must feel just so amazing and such a comfort.
1: Yeah, it is. And actually, we um also we did go to Parliament to help MP Caroline Harris change the law and implement the, fun- the Children's Funeral Fund. Uh-huh. So I'm really happy that that's part of her legacy as well. And now all funerals will be free for children in the UK and it's not means tested.
0: That's incredible. That's amazing. Well, Vicky, you've done some r- remarkable things. And it's yeah something so to be proud of. So yeah, well done to you. So I did want to talk about grief education at school because we've said about how you weren't directed in the right way after Isabel died and you didn't know what to do. And it's not something we talk about a lot. And I realised it wasn't actually part of the curriculum at school, which I was totally shocked by. Did you realise that as well?
1: So, yeah, I actually, Isabel has a half-sister. So I actually was aware of the services that were really like lacking for children who... Are experiencing grief. And I definitely think it's something that needs to be improved on.
0: So, how old was Isabel's half sister at the time? I think she was eleven. Eleven. So she was going through that at school, and she obviously didn't have the tools because she didn't learn about it. And had yeah, to like you when. said, there's just there's nothing at yeah. school is there for children. There's nothing no. to prepare them or educate them or inform them. I think when I've looked into it, there's some sort of resources that teachers can do as an optional thing so it's there but yeah they said it's a bit of a postcode lottery so it's, Mm -hmm. it's a case of whether they implement it or not it's not actually um a requirement so yeah so given that people may not be aware of where to find the information because of the lack of education what resources did you find encouraging or helpful in your grief are there any websites or other charities that helped you so I think the main things I found helpful was the
1: information given to me by ClickSarge and the charity that I mentioned before. Yeah. And um, there was something I wanted to share with you actually that I did find really helpful from them. They shared this diagram with me and it's when there's like two black circles. And they said, when you die, the grief is like re- your life's really tightly built around this black circle. So the black circle's the grief. And yeah. your life is really like tightly around it. But then over time your life grows, but the circle stays the same. And I think that really like helped me understand that I don't it's not something I need to get rid of or try and heal from. It's always going to be there, but your life will just grow around it. Yeah. And I just felt like that was a really good way of explaining how things will process as you go through your grief journey.
0: No, absolutely. Because it is always going to be with you. Isabel's always going to be with you. And yeah, it's going to be a constant journey. But yeah, you can go on with your life and do things and and experience happiness and joy as we mentioned and mm-hmm. yeah, it, just carry it with you. But
1: unfortunately I do think there's not many like resources or information out there available. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start talking about it because I think it's definitely something that needs to be highlighted and talked about more.
0: No, definitely. And having that awareness. And yeah, if you have a friend or a family member that's going through it, even if it's not directly you, just being there for them and being supportive and knowing some things that you could say. And like you say, even if you think it's the wrong thing to say, just say something. Yeah, and just. And I think maybe um, practical help as well. Maybe just taking them around a dinner that you've made, or
1: offer to do the shopping. Just things that are just so difficult when you're in the depths of grief. Like everyday tasks just seem mammoth, and I think just helping with those practical things as well
0: goes a long way. Yeah, that like you said, because you couldn't do those everyday things, could you? Um, And it was so difficult. Everything just felt so hard. But people don't know that, do they? When They haven't been through the grief themselves. They don't realize that everyday things are going to be difficult. So they might not know to offer to do those everyday things. So that's a great tip in itself. Oh, can I post a letter for you? Or simple things like that. So, yeah, that's a really good tip. Any other sort of final encouragements that you can say to someone that's going through it? Just that, you know, I think their feeling
1: is valid and they're just, it will get easier like it's I know it's awful in the beginning but you do learn to live with that and it does get easier to cope with and manage with and it's not going to be that hard forever
0: yeah no absolutely well thank you so much Vicky for making time to talk about your experience today I've really enjoyed getting to know you and I feel like I've learned so much about grief as well because I'm going to be honest I don't know a lot about it so I feel like I've learned something and hopefully the listeners will have learned something as well oh, um, thank you yeah and all the best with the isabel baker foundation as well and hopefully if anyone wants to donate i'm sure they can find out on the website can't they what's the website it's just the isabelbakerfoundation.com well, that's easy to remember brilliant <laughs> thank you so much thank you vicky thank you so much for listening to the podcast today If you haven't already, please follow Kiri Presents or Inspiring Stories on the podcast platform of your choice. And don't forget to share on the socials if you enjoyed it. Thank you very much and talk to you soon.